Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining me today for another episode of In the News. That's my podcast for independent paint, hardware, and lumber retailers looking to stay up to date on the news in our industry. The top story in this episode, the war in Ukraine continues to wreak havoc on TiO2 markets. That's the market for titanium dioxide, the primary pigment in just about every can of paint manufactured with prices for the white powder reaching a 10-year high recently. Smallcaps.com, that's an Australian website which offers coverage of the world's titanium markets, reported recently that paint manufacturers can expect the problem to last for the foreseeable future. And watching the news, you can see what the problem is as Russia continues its bombardment of Ukraine. The final Ukrainian holdout that we're all seeing in the news in the city of Mariupol is the several thousand soldiers and Ukrainian citizens, which are currently holed up in the Azovstal Metacurial Combine. The plant now destroyed will take years to replace, and it represented 6% of the world's TiO2 production. All of this means that dealers can expect continued inflation in the price of paint due to the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Keep an eye out for my podcast with Clay Fenstermaker at Dunn Edwards. Dunn Edwards, part of Nippon Paint, the planet's fourth largest paint maker. Clay is disturbingly direct in terms of what we can expect as far as the supply of paint and the price of paint in the near term. And while we're talking about inflation, as first reported in HBS Dealer Magazine, Foundation Building Materials, FBM, that's the construction building material and commercial hardware distributor headquartered in Santa Ana, California, said that it will increase delivery charges to customers this week following increases from suppliers as well as rising gasoline prices. In a letter from Chief Sales Officer Kirby Thompson, published on the Building Material Distributors website, FBM said the unanticipated rapid rise in fuel costs has resulted in our suppliers implementing increased delivery charges, fuel surcharges, and other previously unannounced price increases on shipments beginning as soon as this week. And so therefore, increased delivery charges from the distributor are effective immediately. And while most paint and hardware dealers listening to this podcast don't deal with FBM, the company's announcement tells the same story paint and hardware dealers are hearing from their vendors regarding gas prices. Just another reason for the price of paint to keep going up. And I think that paint and hardware retailers who are selling paint can expect to see that for the foreseeable future. If you read my blog recently, Rustoleum announced a 28% price increase. Dealers should be hearing from Dan Calkins any day now about a Benjamin Moore price hike. It's coming, and it will minimally be in the low double digits, but it possibly may go higher than that. And this may be one of multiple pricing actions from Benjamin Moore that dealers could expect this year. In consolidation news, True Value Company has entered into an agreement where True Value will acquire the consumer paint business of Columbus, Ohio-based paint maker Yankin Majestic. Yankin Majestic makes architectural coatings for home, agriculture, and specialty applications under the Magic brand of paint. That's Magic with a J. 
the acquisition of the Magic Portfolio products is an excellent strategic fit for True Value, said John Vanderpool, Division President of True Value Manufacturing and General Paint. John has been a guest on my podcast before. As a matter of fact, his episode released earlier this year was the most listened to of the last 12 months. You can go back and give a listen if you want to hear what John has to say. It's episode 53, and you can hear that on my SoundCloud, on my website, or up on my, or you can watch it on my YouTube channel. The Magic Paint brand deepens our strong portfolio of products, which today includes our flagship Easy Care brand and enhances our capabilities in the agriculture and other specialty segments of the paint industry, Vanderpool went on to say. And that's interesting because tucked into the corners of this deal is that Yankin Majestic held the number one spot in the country in the aftermarket for farm and implement coatings. While I don't know the size of this market, it is definitely substantial. And I do know that Yankin Majestic's share within that market was very significant. Primarily sold through a network of independent retailers, it will be interesting to see what John Vanderpool and True Value does with the new brands at their disposal. You know, I'll reach out to him when they're ready to tell dealers what their plans are, so stay tuned. True Value has the ability to make a lot of paint, and while shortages are affecting all manufacturers, it won't look like this forever. So the move leaves me wondering if True Value is looking for an angle into the larger paint and decorating segment of the independent retailer channel. So congratulations to John Vanderpool for this acquisition and to my friend Noel Booker, who was the president over at Yankee Majestic in advance of the acquisition, and good luck to you both. Also in consolidation news, Distribution America and the Pro Group announced that the two companies have merged, forming a new organization called Hardline Distribution Alliance. Distribution America and the Pro Group were cooperatives of independent distributors, think Pacoa or Blish Mize, depending on what part of the country you're in. These cooperatives function similarly to the way All Pro, Ace, or other co-ops function, with member distributors able to access better pricing consolidate their billing and many other advantages. While this move is not likely to affect dealers day-to-day operationally, you'll still maintain your relationship with your independent distributors, even though they're members of this new organization. It does speak to the continued consolidation, which affects this channel. With the era of one and two store mom and pop dealers continuing to fade, the same is true for other players in our channels, and that includes the distributors. When I first came into the business full time in 1988, my father was a member of a New York City based member owned cooperative called Paint Fair. In addition to Paint Fair, we bought sundries from Pacoa, we bought drop gloves from Tapso Textiles and Frame of Bags, we got Spackle from Uralo and a number of other vendors included in there as well. When I sold my stores in 2019, we were a member of All Pro, and what I couldn't buy from All Pro, I bought from Pacoa. Everybody else was gone, down to just two vendors. The same thing is happening in the network of paint and hardware retailers, one and two store operations no longer able to reach enough scale, which allows for profitability. And so this same thing is starting to happen in the distributor channel that feeds the independent channel as well. 
as the supply chain crisis grinds on, I would expect to see more stories of consolidation within our industry, possibly limiting retailers' choices for where they buy product. On to other news, earlier this spring marked the one-year anniversary of Ward Lumber becoming an employee-owned cooperative. The lumber, building products, paint, and hardware stores with locations in Jay and Malone, New York, employ more than 50 people and has been in the Ward family for four generations, says Jay Ward, current CEO and friend of mine who's been on my show before. Jay stayed on as CEO with the company after the transaction, and I have to applaud his efforts. Ward Lumber is the first business in New York's vast North Country to sell ownership to the employees. When asked about why he would sell the business to his employees, Jay said the 1% had enough, explaining why he didn't want to sell to the many venture capital groups who are looking to acquire companies in the lumber and building supply space. On my podcast recently, talking about employee ownership was Gina Schaefer. Gina and her husband, Mark, recently sold a third of their 13 Ace store chain in Washington to their employees with the intention of selling them the other two thirds as they move towards retirement. Thinking about the paint dealers listening, cashing out your business at the end of your career has been a problem for paint dealers for generations. Anybody with a multi-generational paint business knows that they wouldn't be there if their father had been able to sell the store for what it was worth. But employee ownership is a genuine path for paint dealers to cash out at the end of your career, and it may bring you more money and a more stable life transition. This is not a program for single store or small chain paint decorating retailers, but for just about all the other paint dealers, this is a real exit strategy that should be researched. Often financed locally with local banks, working with local governments, these deals are good for everybody, putting more money and control in the hands of the retiring dealer while ensuring the future and job security for the team of people who made them successful. Because Jay is right, the 1% have enough. I'm going to continue to cover this topic as I do think that right now, this is one of the best paths for paint dealers looking to exit the industry. Moving on specifically to Benjamin Moore retailers in a recent J.D. Power survey of over 5,000 paint consumers, Benjamin Moore retailers were the top paint retailer in the country with a score of 881 out of a possible 1,000 points. Ace and Sherwin-Williams were tied for second, scoring an 872, also out of 1,000. The nation's big box home centers finishing at the bottom, with paint consumers giving low grades below average to Lowe's, Home Depot, and Walmart. So congrats to Benjamin Moore dealers. You all continue to do a remarkable job in a very challenging economic climate. Also, congratulations go out to Dan Calkins. He's the CEO of Montvale paint maker Benjamin Moore, his company taking the top spot in the interior paint category. The company sneaking by Sherwin-Williams and Bear from Home Depot for the top spot in that important slot. Unfortunately, the exterior paints were a different story, leaving Dan with some work to delegate to get Benjamin Moore out of their below average rating in the exterior paints and stains categories. 
So come on, Dan, let's get this done. This is not the first time you've fallen below average in this category, and dealers would like to see some improvements. Moving on to earnings reports, paint manufacturers are starting to show the stress of the enormous shortages and inflation in the costs of raw materials to make paint. The country's fourth largest paint maker, RPM, posted earnings for the first quarter of 2022 recently, which were more than 13% lower than the same period in 2021. But sales for the quarter were up 13%, mostly due to inflation, the brand increasing from $1.27 billion to $1.43 billion for the quarter. The constantly escalating costs of raw material doing damage to the bottom line of the company known best in the channel for their brands Rust-Oleum, Zinsser, Dap, and Modern Masters. As price increases to the customers continued to lag, the price of raw material increased to the manufacturer. RPM's bottom line clearly suffered, and I suspect we'll see more of the same from other paint companies. The company, RPM, recently reporting a 28% price increase to try to catch them up and get them back to profitability. Frank C. Sullivan, the long-tenured CEO at RPM, seemed less than concerned, adding to his comments that most of these losses were offset by other accounting adjustments that RPM made during the quarter. But that doesn't mean jack shit to a paint dealer trying to get his hands on a skid of bin. Also reporting earnings this week was Pittsburgh paint maker PPG Industries, the world's second largest paint manufacturer reporting earnings with first quarter sales up 11% to $4.3 billion. But like RPM, inflation was the primary factor behind these increases. The customer reporting sales by unit were effectively flat compared to the previous year. Considering the current demand for coatings, this could only be caused by PPG's failure to manufacture enough paint. But interesting, if you dig into the report at all, the company also reports increases in aerospace, automotive, industrial, and traffic coatings, increases which were offset by the lower volume in the architectural segment which explains why PPG has had lower architectural sales. They've been funneling what resins and and pigments they are able to get their hands on during this times of shortage. They're funneling those to their higher profit, more expensive industrial and aerospace and automotive products. That prioritization explaining the low fulfillment rates to the independent PPG retailers waiting for architectural coatings. With the company allocating raw materials away from broadwall coatings and into more profitable segments, it's likely to continue to weigh down sales for PPG dealers as they don't have paint available to sell at a time when demand is extraordinarily high. For the full quarter fully diluted, the company's earnings reduced from $1.88 to $1.37, so a very significant decrease. Additionally, the company took a $1.10 per share hit to their profits. That's to offset their losses that they took, winding down their Russian operations, which all had to be closed due to sanctions. The lower earnings primarily blamed on inflation in the price of raw materials, which the company claims were up as high as 25% during the quarter. 
And finally, here's some tips. You should communicate to your customers the conditions of the market right now uh, for paint and be prepared to show examples. A copy of the recent Rust-Oleum price increase should really do the trick in explaining to customers what you're seeing when it comes time to purchase paint. Then make sure they know what steps you're taking to mitigate the situation, but be honest about your ability to control that right now. You can also explain what processes you'll use to announce changes in price or explain that the pace of increases is too fast and commit to reporting in some other way. But you wanna make it clear to your customers that they can expect to hear from you uh, further on this topic. And make sure, of course, as always, they know how to reach you or how to reach your sales reps if they wanna talk. And finally, make sure your communications are regular. A regular cadence of pertinent communications will garner over time more attention than irregular or occasional communications. And as always, too many communications should be avoided. So thank you very much for listening. Tune in for another episode. This is Mark Lipton, and this is Mark My Words in the News.